good morning, everyone. Hey, will you guys give our um, worship team a big round of applause? They do such an awesome job every week. And will you guys also give our tech team back there such a big round of applause? It's pretty amazing. These people, um, they make it look easy, huh? But all of you guys know, all of us who sit back here, we know that's not easy. I've tried to sing, right? The person sitting next to me is like, could you sing a little quieter, please? Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, it's so good to see everyone today. You know, first service, they were awesome, but they seemed a little sleepy. Are you guys more awake? Listen, they were so sleepy that I was saying the wrong things during first service. I completely said the wrong name of someone and no one shouted me down, okay? So I, if I say it wrong today, I encourage you, tell me. Tell me I'm doing it wrong, right? Because if we get in an argument right here, hey, at least no one's falling asleep today, right? But I just wanna say a special um, welcome to everyone who's watching online. We are so glad you're here. You know, I was just thinking about you guys specifically today that if you are feeling alone right now, I want you to know that you're not alone that God can be right with you right where you're watching. If you're watching in your car, watching on your couch, however it is that you're tuning in, you're not alone, that God is with you and all, he's just one, one ask away, right? God, come be with me and he's right there, he's with you. And we're all right here too. We can't see you, but we're glad that you are here. Well, we've been in this series um, called In the Name of Love and man, I've really enjoyed it. How many of you guys have been here for one of the other weeks of this series? Good job, give yourself a pat on the back. If you haven't been here, just pretend, just smile like you were, right? Just smile like, mm -hmm, I know what's happening right now. But today what I wanted to talk to you guys about was something that we see a lot in our culture. And maybe you have, haven't even noticed, but it's something that is a lot um, that we hear every day, that we see every day. And it's something that's called self-love. So I quickly did a quick browse of the internet to find some examples for you. Maybe you um, have seen these, maybe you've shared these, maybe they're in your phone or, um, you know, printed out. I don't know who's printing these, but, you know, maybe you printed them out and put them on, the, on your mirror so you could remember these. But here's some examples of self-love. Self-love is not selfish. You cannot truly love another until you know how to love yourself. How many of you guys have heard something like that before? It's important to do what's best for you, whether people approve of you or not. This is your life. You know what's good for you. And remember, self-love takes strength. Let's see another one. If you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. And I think as women, we really forget that. I like this one because all you men were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, wait, what? Come on, right? That wasn't, wasn't to me. Be enough for yourself first. The rest of the world can wait. Everything you want is already within you. It's up to you to find it in yourself and not in others. We see these kind of messages all the time. How many of you guys have seen these kind of messages? Maybe when you're scrolling on social media or, or wherever, maybe you see it printed on a coworker's desk. This is really what we hear all the time in culture. And this is something that's called self-love. And on the outside, it sounds pretty good. And in fact, it kind of makes your heart feel a little good. Yeah, it is up to me is my life. That's right. I do. I do need a break, Jake. Come on, right? Right? We start, we start like using this as weapons to other people in our life. You know, your boss. Yeah. Don't you know, right? 
this is it's me time, whatever. We see this all the time, but the truth is, even though these sound heartwarming, even though they might feel like, man, this is really true, the truth is most of these statements are actually contradictory to what we see in the Bible. Most of these things that we hear all the time about how to really get fulfillment in our life, how to really be at peace, are actually completely opposite of how the Bible says we will have fulfillment, how the Bible says we will have peace. And that really is the paradox of Christianity, right? And not only in this way, but in almost every way, when, when we see, oh, this is the, the best decision I could make in this circumstance, almost always the Bible tells us, no, that's, that's wrong, not that decision. That's the wrong decision, right? Almost always when, you know, a neighbor's throwing dog poop in your yard, the, our first reaction, is usually not what the Bible would have us do, right? <laughs> and that's really what Christianity is. It's a paradox. What we think, this isn't the best way that I'm going to do this. Almost always the Bible saying, no, that's not the way to do it. And so today I really want to take down this myth of self-love. Now, it might seem like, okay, well, the opposite is self-hate? I should just hate myself? No, absolutely not. The, the opposite of self-love is not self-hate. What we're going to work on today is having a healthy self-esteem. We need to center ourselves in who God says we are, not better than who we are, not worse than who we are, right? We hear these statements that are like, you need to live for you. You have to take care of your first, yourself first. The Bible actually says, you need to die to yourself. Amen. That's not encouraging. That isn't the kind of thing that we want to stick onto our mirror, right? To make us feel good in the morning. That's the kind of thing you're like, just hide that somewhere, right? The, the world says, hey, just follow your heart. Your heart will never lead you astray. Man, my kids, the shows they watch are the worst. How many of you guys have ever seen kids shows? It's always children who know better than their parents. And they, their parents tell them, don't you dare do that. And then they go do it anyways. And it always works out because they follow their heart. And at the end of the movie, the parents are always saying sorry to their kids. I'm like, this is the worst. What are the things we tell you? Don't run in the road. That's actually a good one, yeah. right? There's not a magical kingdom in the middle of the road. It's just a truck that's going to hit you at the end, right? No, let, let, let's, let's listen to our parents. It's like seven-year-olds are, are writing all the shows. But right, we hear, hey, follow your heart. It's never going to lead you astray. But the Bible says, actually, your heart is deceitfully wicked. You, you guys hear how rude that is? That God says, your heart is wicked. Right? That's so mean. And then it's not only wicked, it's deceitfully wicked. It lies to you about how wicked it is. Like it's constantly tricking you. And that's honestly, that's what my heart is always doing. I don't know about yours, where it feels like this is my heart it's telling me to do this. And it's always wrong. It's never right. It's always the wrong move, right? And so we really see a contradiction. And Jesus, when he came on earth, right, Jesus was fully God, fully man. He was God incarnate, which means God in the flesh walked on the earth. And in Mark, it says, that it says the Son of Man, but they're referring to Jesus, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, imagine this, right? The king of the whole universe, right? The God of the whole universe. He's created everything. If, if you were God, if I was God, and we came, you know, to the earth, right? Sure. I, if I have to serve, I'm going to serve, right? 
but also it would be nice to be served, wouldn't it? How many of you guys would be honest? Yeah, it would be nice to be served. Like, okay, I'll do some miracles, but then I'm going to get a four-hour massage. No biggie, right? I'll give you the other 20 hours. <laughs> Whatever, right? We'd be making deals because really, honestly, most of us were, were selfish. How many of you guys would be willing to admit, I'm a little selfish, right? But that's not what Jesus did. It said that literally he came to the earth and he didn't expect his creation to serve him. In fact, he came to serve. And in this, this is what we really see, that fulfillment in our life comes from serving others. This is what Jesus was showing, that true fulfillment doesn't come from serving ourselves, from fixing ourselves first. True fulfillment really comes when we serve someone else. In um, Matthew 14, this is where we're going to kind of be today. Matthew 14, we see this picture of Jesus. Now, Jesus, he, when he's on earth, right, he also has a cousin. His cousin is named John the Baptist. So they both have miraculous births, right? They both are born right around the same time. John the Baptist is a little bit older. And um, they, John the Baptist is really this prophet who has come, has been sent to the earth. His whole life has been told you're set apart. And he is de declaring that the Messiah has come. All of God's people are looking forward to this time when the Messiah would come. And so he's out in the wilderness and he's declaring, hey, the Messiah is here right now. He's actually the one who baptizes Jesus. This is an important person in Jesus' life. And through a series of events, John the Baptist is beheaded. He's put in prison for a while, and then finally, he's beheaded. And when I read this, I think that for Jesus, right, this is the person he can probably relate to the most. It says in the Bible that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet he didn't sin. So imagine this person who has this destiny, who has this, this life, right? Imagine how lonely that would be to always be doing what is right, right? It's, it's lonely, he's living this lonely life. And so when I read this, I really think about this connection he would have with John the Baptist. And so where we're gonna read, it's right after when Jesus finds out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. And it says in verse 13, now when Jesus heard this, right? He heard that John the Baptist was beheaded. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Right? He just wants to be alone. How many of you guys are like, I get that? Especially if you have kids. You're like, I've only ever wanted to be alone. It's all I ever wanted, right? <laughs> it's just to be alone for one, one second. Just one second, please. Right? He just wants to be alone for a minute. And so he draws away from the crowds in order to be alone. And it says, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. They hear Jesus is close, Jesus is near. The crowds are constantly throughout the gospels, they're drawn to Jesus. Why? Because they know there's something different about Jesus, right? There's something different about who he is. They're drawn to him. They're drawn to his teachings. They're drawn to the fact that he does miracles. They're drawn to, to, to who he is. And so they go after him and it says, and when he went ashore, he saw the great crowds, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So Jesus in this moment where all of us would be, you know, happy, yeah, give Jesus a break. Let him have some time off, right? 
He draws away knowing, man, I need, I need some time. I need some time alone. And in that moment, the crowds, they still come. They still follow him. And when he sees them, he doesn't ignore them. He doesn't say, guys, give me two days. Come on, right? It says he's moved with compassion. The King James Version literally says he's moved with compassion when he sees them. He sees the people. He sees that they are hurting. He sees that they need a savior. He sees that they need healing. He sees that they need a miracle. He sees these things. And then right after this, after he teaches them, after he does all these things, this is when the feeding of the 5,000 happens, which if you're not familiar with that, basically the people, it's like over, it's 5,000 men. So they don't count the women and the children. So who knows, there could have been 40,000 people there, so many kids, like, I don't know. But there's, there's, there's thousands of people there and they've walked so far to get to Jesus that they can't walk all the way back to get dinner, right? And so his disciples are realizing this is a problem. They're gonna, they, we have to do something. We need to send them away because they're all gonna be too hungry. And Jesus says, give them what you have, right? And they're like, we don't have anything. And so, there's, so they have one kid who has some, some bread and some fish. It's like the only type A person in this crowd who prepared. It's like, I, I brought my lunch. I'm sorry that you guys didn't. Should have thought ahead, right? <laughs> this is like the Enneagram one of, of that time. But, but he, you know, he actually packed his lunch, and so Jesus prays for it, and there's enough food for everyone. So this incredible miracle happens. It's very famous. But it happens from this point where Jesus was really trying to get away. He was really trying to get away, but something happened. He was moved with compassion for the people. The crowds were drawn to Jesus. Now, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, are people drawn to you? Do you live your life in a way that the love of Jesus comes out of you and people are just drawn to you? You know, Jake and I, people are just drawn to us. And that's nothing to do with us, really. <laughs> because if you know us, you're not that great. But literally, <laughs> people are drawn to us. And you say, well, yeah, of course, it's because you guys are pastors. No, it's because we're Christians. It's because we've take, taken that time to let God continue to love us, continue to show us how to love others. And honestly, we try to go anywhere and people just all of a sudden pour out their life to us, strangers. And you're like, I don't know why you're telling me about this right now, right? The other day, I confessed this in first service. This one's online, so maybe Cinemark will prosecute, but we were on our way to a movie. We decided, let's go to a movie. We haven't been to a movie in so long. How many of you guys haven't been to a movie in over a year? Yeah. So we randomly were like, let's go see a movie. There's nothing really playing. And so we just had to pick one that all of us would like. And so we um, decided on our way to stop by the Dollar Tree like good citizens and get a snack to bring into the movie theater. Okay. We still bought popcorn. We still bought the ridiculous popcorn, which they no longer give refills for because of COVID. Okay, so we still bought the popcorn. At least we did something. Okay, but my kids literally called it sneaky snacks. Are we going to get sneaky snacks? And then Jack was putting on all these layers. I'm going to put on a vest. I'm gonna, we're like, you're getting one snack. I don't know what you're thinking you're bringing into this movie theater. And, and we're making wrong decisions on raising our kids left and right right here. But... So we, but we're already late. There's three kids, so we're always late. We're always late to everything, always. People, they get in the car and they don't have shoes on. And we're like, why would you? 
Why would you think we were going to go somewhere without your shoes, you know? And it's always like, I don't know, you know? So, of course, we're late. So we get to the Dollar Tree, you know, only the best. And we're, you know, we're getting out of the car. And we're like, you guys, you have to go quick. We got, we're already late, so you have to go quick, right? We get out, and the lady in the car next to us just starts pouring out her heart to us. I know all about all her adult children now, right? <laughs> at one point, Jake takes the kids inside, and at one point, he's calling me because I think he's trying to help me to get out of this out of the conversation, but why? Because if you let God's love transform your life and begin to flow out of your life, people will be drawn to you. That's what was happening with Jesus. It wasn't because Jesus was judging them and telling them everything they were doing wrong, right? He still told them the truth. The truth was hard for them to swallow, but they could feel his love for them. And that's what people want from us. People will be drawn to you if you will love them. Are people drawn to you? Jesus was moved out of this time of grief into action because of compassion, because of love. So how do we do this? How do we undo this myth of self-love? It's all around us, right? So how do we undo it? Sometimes there can be tentacles, right, in our heart, in our mind, because we're inundated with this. So how do we undo this myth I've got three things. The first one is stop trying to find rest in the wrong things. Now, Bethany, you're talking about rest. You're talking about self-love. You're all over the place. The reason I'm saying rest is because most of the time, the reason those statements, right, those memes, when they really hit us is usually when we're tired, right? We read those and they, man, they really speak to us when we're just done. We're tired. No one's been looking out for me. It's about time I looked out for me, right? But you know what? Always, we always try to find rest in the wrong things. We're always trying to rest by binging television. We're always trying to rest by binging social media. We're always trying to rest by binging food, right? We're trying to rest by drinking more alcohol. We're trying to rest by all of our addictions. None of those things have ever given me rest. None of those things ever make me feel any better. Remember, we talked about Christianity. It's the paradox, right? So what we think, this is going to make me feel a lot better, really attacking my neighbor on, on Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to feel so much better after this, right? That never makes anybody feel better. And yet in that moment, that's what we think. That's not how we get rest. We get rest in the presence of God. Tonight we have our upper room. And let me tell you, in, in our heads, it's really easy to think, I, I can't do another service, right? We're tired. It's a school night. It's, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow, all of these things. And so we think I'm going to feel a lot better for the week ahead if I stay home and I Netflix. But the truth is, if you, if you come and you just soak in the presence of God, you will leave this place feeling so much more fulfilled for the week ahead, so much more rested for the week ahead. It's a paradox, right? It's a contradiction. It doesn't make sense to our natural mind because it's what God's telling us to do. Stop trying to find rest in the wrong things. The second one is find out what you were made for. You were made for something. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. It's not just that you were, you know, born in this earth and it's really hard and it's hard and it's hard and it's hard and then you die, right? That's sometimes how it feels, <laughs> right? On Monday morning, you're like, yeah, it does feel that way Monday morning. <laughs> but that's not what you were made for. You, weren't, you aren't just another person on this planet. 
God created you. He made you specifically. And he created you on purpose and for a purpose. And when we can get into that purpose, man, we, we don't get tired. Do we still need to take vacation? Do we still need to take, you know, a minute to ourselves? right? Sometimes our, our lock on our door, our bedroom door doesn't work. Isn't this terrible? Right? And so I literally, I have to yell and do a warning. I am changing. Please do not come in. Right? And then I barricade the door. They still interrupt like eight times. Hey, mom, I got it. It's just like two minutes. It's a, how long does it take someone to change? It's not long. Right? You still need time to yourself. But the point is, is that if you get into the purpose for your life, you'll no longer be pushing other people out because you feel this need to be fulfilled. You'll no longer be looking to the inside in order to be fulfilled. You'll realize, man, I find my fulfillment in doing what God wants me to do. That's what Jesus did. His purpose was to do the will of God. And he was, he was um, fulfilled in that. He was pushed on by that. And that's the same for us. We find real purpose when we will do the will of God. We find that wind to push us on when we will do the will of God. What were you made for? I found this quote just on Google, and I thought it was so interesting. It says, when we are in the center of God's will, we experience freedom from earthly striving, from the work of trying to please others, from the pressure to perform a certain way or to be the person others think we ought to be. We wake up in the morning and face the day unfettered. I just, this just stopped me because I thought it was so interesting. These are all the things that self-love promises you, Right? If you would just take some time for you, you will no longer have to have striving. You will no longer have to have that work of trying to please others. You'll no longer have that pressure to perform a certain way or be the person other people think you should be. You'll be able to wake up every morning feeling peace. That's literally what the self-love mantra promises us. And this is the same thing that God promises you in a completely different method. But I'm gonna tell you, I've never seen someone make the choice to be more selfish in their life and have more peace in their life. I've never seen it happen. I've seen so many people who say, hey, we're gonna take a break from church because we're gonna work on our family. Their family is terrible. I don't say that mean, I'm not saying that as a joke. I, so many times we've seen that where then pretty soon they don't even have a family. Why? Because it's God's will. When we get into God's will, that's when we can really begin to see, have, to have peace in our life, right? Where you can be free of other people's opinions, where you can be free of, you know, whatever those things were. They took it away, so I can't see it anymore. But, right? When we are in the center of God's will. So how do we get into the center of God's will? I have three things, three ways to get into the center of God's will. The first one is to get God's thoughts. We got to get God's thoughts. We do this by reading our Bible. Okay? Why do we have the Bible? Why do we use the Bible? The Bible is the center of Christianity because we believe this is the word of God. We believe these are the words of God. And when I read my Bible every day, it washes my mind. It washes me. It helps me know how God thinks. It helps me know how he acts in certain situations. And you know what? The way that God thinks is always different than the way I would have done it. Always. That's why I read it. So I can know him more. So I can get his thoughts. I guarantee you, in my life, I read my Bible every day. But when I don't, all of a sudden I'll be like, why do I feel so bad? 
My, my thought life is bad, it's negative, it's not good. All of a sudden I'm thinking nothing's going well, right? And I'll think about it and be like, oh, I haven't read my Bible in a couple days. Something about reading your Bible changes you. It washes your mind of the way that we naturally think and it reminds us there is a God and he thinks differently than I do. It washes our minds every day. Maybe you don't read your Bible every day. I want to challenge you. Begin to read your Bible every day. Do, do it for five minutes. It'll go by quickly. Set a timer, right? Five minutes. Read your Bible. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, right? You can look. There's a table of contents. It'll tell you where those are. If you can remember a boy's name, you're probably on the right track. You're probably going to get there, okay? Maybe not, but you probably will, okay? But if you, if you just take five minutes... I guarantee you, your life will begin to change because your thoughts will begin to be God's thoughts. He will begin to wash the way that you think. The second thing is to hear God's voice. Begin to be a person who hears God's voice. How do we do that? It's called prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. Last week, I taught in the preschool, and well, I didn't teach. The video teaches for you. It's amazing. I stood in the preschool. That's what I did. I stood there and told the kids not to bite each other, but I just stood there. And then what, what the video taught us was that when can you pray? You can pray anytime. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Listen, you guys aren't in preschool, but when can you pray? You can pray anytime. It's just talking to God. So what does that mean? It means that when you're driving to work, you can say, hey, God, you know so-and-so, my coworker. Hey, I, I don't have anything left. I don't have patience. I lose my temper with them, God. It's not good. Would you help me today? Would you help me? I want them to know you, but they make me so mad, right? Just tell them. Just talk to him. You can say, God, I was up all night with the baby. I'm so exhausted. I can't make it through the day. Could you help me? Can you give me grace? Would you help me, God? That's that's as easy as it is. It's just talking to God, allowing him into your everyday life. And not only talking to him, but waiting and listening for him. That's how we hear God's voice, is we take a minute and we're quiet. We say, God, what do you want to talk to me about today? You know, it's, hearing God's voice is not something that's hard. It's something that's a skill that you have to learn in your life. So he's not far away. He's not someone who only talks to pastors. He's not someone who only talks to prophets. In fact, he's speaking all the time. But we have to learn to be people who hear his voice, which means we have to take time to be quiet and say, God, what are you speaking to me? And then when you hear him, we have to be people who respond to him. And the more you respond to his voice, the easier it becomes to hear him right? Trust me in this. You begin to talk to God, he will begin to talk to you. And the third one is know God's people. Man, guess what? Look around you. Everyone in the room, these are God's people. You don't have to search. They're here, right? This is his church. We are his people. If you're in this room and you're saying, I'm trying my best to follow Jesus, right? I don't do it right every day, but I'm trying my best. Guess what? You're God's people. So get to know God's people. Surround yourself with God's people. It sure does help. When on days when you say, that's it, this kid, putting him up for adoption, whatever it is in your life, that's the stress point, right? Other people can come around you, God's people, and say, you know what, you got this. You're doing great. They're doing great. You're doing great. You're all doing great. It's going to be fine. Try to take a nap, right? Or whatever it is that you need to, to know. But surround yourself with God's people. That's how you get into the will of God, is 
get God's thoughts, hear God's voice, know God's people. And the last one, how to undo the myth of self-love is serve someone else. Begin to serve someone else. I know it's a contradiction, right? I'm hurting. I, I need help. Honestly, if you will just take me at my word, take God at his word, that you will begin to serve someone else, you will see yourself begin to change. You will see them begin to change, but you will see yourself begin to change. Because God does something miraculous inside of us when we choose to serve someone else. I just finished a book um, recently, and it was about childhood. It was about parenting, that sort of thing. But it, it quoted this really interesting study where it was kind of trying to figure out if, if parents, when their baby is first born, if they immediately fall in love with that baby. Now, we, we can see anyone who's had kids like, yeah, of course I did. I immediately fell in love with them, right? Which might be true. It might not be true. You might be like, you might have been like, hmm, what, do they always come out this funny looking, right? Oh, dear. Oh, my. Okay. Whatever, right? And honestly, that's probably what more most of us thought is, will their face stop being this smushed, you know? Our poor son, Jack, he um, came out and he was completely swollen. He, didn't, he couldn't open his eyes until the next day. That's how swollen he was. So it was like, does he have eyes? Can we check? I'm a little concerned, right? But so the study is, do you immediately, is it love at first sight with your, with your babies? And we, you know, if you adopt a baby, you don't have a biological child, you still love that child. So what, what is it? Is it love at first sight? And they, through research, this study, they found out that as the parent serves the baby, they fall more in love with the baby. Isn't that incredible? So it's not a one moment. It's as you serve someone else, you fall more in love with that person. Some of you guys who are single are like, hmm, hmm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> serve someone else. So where can I serve? Where can I serve someone else? Number one, serve here at Joy Church, right? This is the perfect opportunity for you to serve, and we would love for you to serve here. Now listen, this isn't just, you know, a big ploy to say, hey, you gotta, you gotta come in. Sometimes it can feel like at church, we have all these needs on a Sunday morning, and I'm just a cog in the wheel, right? Nobody sees me, nobody knows me. It doesn't matter. That's not what we want for you at Joy Church. The reason we want you to serve here at Joy Church is because we're family. And man, when you start contributing to your family, it changes everything. My kids have gotten a little bit older, and my life literally changed when they started unloading the dishwasher. It was this job that I was like, I think you guys can do this now. And I showed them how, and now they unload the dishwasher almost every day. I don't unload it anymore. My life changed. It was in that moment I was like, I could see it. It's changing. Everything is changing now, right? You guys are like, your life is small. Okay, so what, all right? <laughs> But you know what? Something happens when a child, when they realize, hey, I'm part of the family now. I'm contributing. I'm giving back. And same thing happens with us. If this is your church, if this is your family, I, I encourage you to serve. I encourage you to find a place to contribute. Why? So that you can be part of the family, more part of the family. You know, when Jake and I, when we go on vacation, if we miss a Sunday, we always try to go visit a church. And when we visit a church, it's always that awkwardness, you know? You don't know all the rules of a church, right? Are there coffee? Or is it allowed in the sanctuary? Do you guys have coffee here? Or do you guys have your kids during worship, not during You know what I mean? You're trying to, like, find what's going on. We went to one church, and the pastor at the very end, it's my favorite thing. They had a really high stage. At the very end, their, their theme was loving 
people to life. So at the very end, he finished his sermon, and he goes, and remember, loving people to life. And he jumped off the stage and ran out the back. It was amazing. I was sitting there, and I was like this. What did I just witness? It was so wonderful. He's actually a, an ex-pro um, skateboarder. So pretty cool. That's actually why we went to the church. We were like, El Gato, we're going. <laughs> but it, so it was super, it's it fun, right? But you know, when we go and we're just at this random church, they're not our family, right? We don't even know them. You're not my family, but you guys here on Sunday morning, you guys are my family. And I hope that you feel that way. And if you don't feel that way, take a chance and start serving. Because once it starts becoming your home, your place, man, it feels a lot more like family. So here's my challenge. If you've been through Next Track, but you do not serve anywhere yet, do it. Why aren't you serving anywhere yet? Do it. You know, maybe you say, I don't have any skills. We got the job for you. We have the perfect place for you. Maybe you say, I have too many skills for you guys. We've got the perfect place for you. No matter what, either side of the spectrum, somewhere in between, we want to find what you would love to do. And we want you to feel more part of the family. If you have never been through Next Track, but you're saying, hey, okay, I want to serve, I want to be part of the family, your first step is Next Track. It happens every Sunday morning during first service, 9 a.m. It's a four-week track that you go through, you learn more about Joy Church, you learn more about God, you learn more about how you can fit and where you fit. And we would love for you to be part of that. So if you've never done Next Track, we would love for you to be part of that. But serve someone else. Serve here at Joy Church. The second one, serve your family. Serve your family. This is the best place for us to serve. Maybe you have people in your family who aren't believers. The best way to win them is to serve them. Trust me, if they are familiar with Christianity and what culture says about Christianity at all, they already know everything. You don't need to judge them. You don't need to tell them what they're doing wrong. Just serve them, love them. Be that stable presence in their life that's always there for them, but always is pointing them towards Jesus. Love them. When my kids were little, this was a few years ago, and you know, I said in first service, toddlers, it's like toddlers literally are trying to kill themselves all day long. And the poor mothers and fathers of toddlers are just following them all day long. Like, please don't, don't kill yourself. Please stop trying to kill yourself. Just take that out of your mouth. Why'd you put that in your mouth? You know, don't put that metal thing in the wall. You know, like all the things they do. And you're like, please just stop trying to kill yourself so I can sit down, you know. And so, you know, it was, it was a hard time and it's difficult. And you feel like you're saying no all day long. You feel like you're, you're disciplining all day long. You feel like you haven't slept all night long in years, right? Some of you guys are like, this is too personal, it's hurting me, you know. But I was in that moment where it was just hard and we were, me and the kids, we were driving somewhere and I had worship music blasting because, you know, I was probably trying to drown them out. And I was probably just trying to connect with the Lord. Help me, God, help me. And I was listening to this Jen Johnson song. And in the song, she's, she's, you know, it's like a prayer to God, but she's talking about unbelievers. And she said, God, when they look in my eyes, would they see you? Would they see the Father's love? Talking about unbelievers that when they, when they look in my eyes, would they see your love, right? Would I communicate that? And so I'm having this moment with God where I'm like, yeah, God, when the lost, when they see me, when I talk to them, wherever I'm at, God, that I could draw them to you. And then in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, what about your kids? Do they see me when you look at them? And I was like, no. They only see Bethany. <laughs> There's no love, <laughs> right? 
Nobody hit me. And I thought, I want to be the best conduit to them of their father's love. More than anything else, I want them to know there is a God in heaven that loves them, that created them, that accepts them, that wants them, that desires them, right? So who can you serve? Serve your family. Serve the people that, you, that know your flaws the best. Serve them. The next one, serve your coworkers, your neighbors, your classmates, your acquaintances, everybody. Serve everyone around you. Serve them. That coworker that you're annoyed with, that always makes life difficult, serve them. See how your relationship will change if you begin to serve them. Your boss, serve them. Right? Your classmates, serve them. Your world will change if you will serve your neighbor. Not expecting anything in return, just serving them. And the last one, maybe you say, I already do all those. I'm already perfect. I'm amazing. So this one's for you, right? This is your boss move. Serve someone that you don't want to. Serve someone that you just don't like. You know, if we're honest in this room, no one's going to say, I don't like these kinds of people, right? Like, that's horrible. Everyone would be like, oh, gosh. But the truth is, probably a lot of us in this room, we do have kinds of people that we don't like. What if you began to serve them? So in your head, think about it. Is it a political party? Oh, that, they always think wrong. Everything they think is wrong. What if you began to serve them? What if you began to humanize them? What, maybe, maybe it's a certain race or a certain ethnicity. Oh, those people. What if you humanize them? What if you serve them? You will begin to love them. Maybe it's a certain socioeconomic class. All oh, the people who live off the government, they're all like this. They all do this. What if you serve them? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's the wealthy. The wealthy, it's not fair, right? They have all the money. I got none of the money. It's not right. What if you serve them? What if you humanize them? Maybe it's the houseless community in Eugene. And maybe when I said that word, it literally triggered you. You said, houseless, that's ridiculous. If you don't know what that word means, it means homeless. But who is it in your life that you know in your heart, I have a problem with them? Jesus didn't have a problem with people. He served the religious. He served the poor. He served the sinners. He served the disciples. He served the followers. He served the hurting. He served the sick. He served people because that's who he loved, people. And that's who we are to serve is people. We're here to serve each other. And let me tell you, if you will begin to serve others, your life will change. Your life will change. I just want to end with this verse. It's in Matthew 25. And this is Jesus. He's talking about the end of time, right? The end of the age. And he's saying this. He's saying, for when I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison? and visit you, and the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. You will tr find true fulfillment in your life when you begin to serve someone else. You will find true fulfillment in your life 
when you begin to serve someone else. So will you take that paradox challenge today? Man, the things that I think are going to make me fulfilled, it's not going to work. But will I believe the Bible? Will I believe that I will be fulfilled if I will serve someone else? Maybe you're here in this room today and you say, I don't, I don't even really know Jesus. Man, we want you to know him. Like I said in the beginning, it said that Jesus came on this earth. He walked on this earth for us. He came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. For, for, for many. Sorry, I was like, did I say that right? <laughs> what that means is that all of us were held hostage by our own sin. We've all been held hostage, but through the life of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus, he paid that ransom. He paid that cost for your sins. And the Bible says that if you will believe in him, if you believe that he is God, if you say, I'm turning around my life, I'm giving it over to you, the thoughts I think are wrong, help me to think the right thoughts. When we do that, it says that we will be saved. If you're in this room today and you say, I want to follow Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity. So if everyone would just bow their head right now, close their eyes, no one's looking around, but if you say right now, I want to follow Jesus, I want to give him my life, would you just lift up your hand? Would you just lift up your hand right now? We're not doing this to embarrass you. It's a way for you in faith, thank you, to say, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus. And if you're watching online, I can't see your hand, but God sees it. And you can make this decision today to follow Jesus. Anybody else? Right now, we're going to pray. If you will repeat after me, everyone in the room is going to repeat so you won't be alone. This isn't a magic prayer. It's just a way of you saying, God, I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for living the life you lived. Thank you for dying for me. God, I give you my life. God, I admit I've done wrong things. I've made mistakes. I've hurt other people. God, would you forgive me? Would you help me to be more like you, to live my life like you? God, I give you my life, my past, my present, my future. Would you guide me? In Jesus' name, amen.